Hi everyone, I am back at it again. It has been more than a month since my last episode. Within this time, I have had the opportunity to reflect and grow. As I stated before, I really want this podcast to reflect a realistic relationship with God. As a result, I must be transparent and say that a true relationship with God is a reflective process. Spiritual maturity is very important. Some weeks ago, I heard my son listening to Jodeci. Just recently, he was listening to So For Real Candy Rain. I said to myself, what in the world? This boy must be in love. He is only 10 years old. So I said, EJ... What do you know about that song? He in turn said, I like a lot of songs from back in your day. With my chin tucked in, I said, back in my day. Hold up, what are you trying to say? He said, back in the olden days when cookies and candy was 25 cents. Then I thought, well, I do remember candy and cookies being 25 cents, especially them little boxes of lemon heads and Boston red beans. But then I snapped back into reality and I said, boy, I am not that old. EJ listening to Jodeci made me think about love. We all know something about love. There is not a greater feeling that you could possibly experience than meeting your soulmate. Not your sugar mama, sugar daddy, or baby mama, or baby daddy, but that person that was ordained to you by God. That person that you look at and think to yourself, I don't know if I could stomach drinking your bath water. However, if you pooped on your I could see myself changing your diaper. Like if all your teeth were to fall out, I would still love your smile. Like if all you had to your name was a penny with a hole in it, I would still want you around. Now that's what you call love. It also made me think of the love associated with having your first child, greeting your husband at the airport after being deployed, or welcoming your kids home from college during the holidays and or sitting in the kitchen while your favorite aunt or your grandmother fries you some chicken or a piece of pork chop or make you a pot of menudo or macaroni and cheese. Some things just make you feel warm and fuzzy in the inside. We ponder these things when we think of love. Back in 2007, Music Soul Child sung a song titled Teach Me. The hook goes, teach me how to love. Show me the way to surrender my heart. Girl, I'm so lost. Teach me how to love. How I can get my emotions involved. Teach me. Show me how to love. Show me the way to surrender my heart. Girl, I'm so lost. I dare not to start singing. Yet, it is it really the people who make us feel warm and fuzzy inside who teach us how to love? Is it really the joyous occasions that teach us how to love? Is it really the people who shower us with compliments that teach us how to love? Is it the people who we think about regularly that teach us how to love? I really want you to stop and think for about 10 seconds. Who taught you how to love? 
Some of you may have thought, mm, my man taught me how to love or my mother taught me how to love. However, we are called to love the way that Jesus loves. And if we are called to love the way that Jesus loves, we must adhere to what the Bible instructs us to do. Let's turn to a familiar text. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Now, I will usually read from the New Living Translation or the New King James Version. However, these verses spoke to me one day when I took my boys to get a haircut. I was being tested this particular day. I felt the core of me slipping away. My heart was heavy and my thoughts were not godly. I am just being honest. Now, I know some of you never get angry or frustrated because your mind stays fixed on Jesus. However, you should hear the church folks on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. Tommy called one lady and told her she had not been tithing. She was a faithful tither. So she went in on Tommy. That is one thing you do not want to do. Please do not bring a saint who is saved but used to be in the streets back in the day out of retirement. It's extremely hard to do. However, if you have ever done it, I am pretty sure that you regret it. But anyway, on the wall of the barbershop was an old stained amplified version of these scriptures written in all caps. So I read them. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy. Is not boastful or vainglorious. Does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. It's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. Love never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. As for prophecy, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose, it will be fulfilled and pass away. As for tongues, they will be destroyed and cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. It will lose its value and be superseded by truth. Yes, the Lord was speaking to me as he always does. He was telling me, girl, get some act right in your blood. See, when God is ready to catapult us to the new level of living in our lives, it oftentimes requires a period of spiritual transition, which oftentimes require us to elevate in our ability to love. As a result, the adversary will try to put stumbling blocks in our way to attempt to prevent us from loving thy neighbor as we love ourselves.
However, the qualified must go through the fire. According to the lyrics of Marvin Sapp, I must be close to my destiny because here comes trials, troubles, jealousy, and envy. I must be extremely close to my miracle because here comes confusion, problems, and enemies. I just believe that I must be close to what you have for me. The three most important things to have are faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of them is love. People or events that made me feel warm and fuzzy taught me something about love. However, it was the circumstances in which I had to apply 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 to broken relationships and situations despite my feelings of stubbornness that really taught me how to love. Picture this. I am sitting in church with my journal taking notes because sometimes the word of God can apply to your life a week or two days later after you hear it. So for those of you who go to larger churches, you know that on some days, on some Sundays, you have space to sit anywhere. But this particular Sunday, I was drawn to sit beside this lady with a pretty pink two-piece skirt set on. She also had on a sweater. So I am sitting in church, listening to the word, taking my notes and all of a sudden this lady takes off her sweater i said okay it's a little chilly in here to me but okay then she started to pull on her collar really fast i said okay she is getting a little warm then she started looking in her purse so i assumed that she was looking for a fan so to help her out, because I like to help without being noticed sometimes, I started waving my hand at the usher so I could get this lady a fan. So I waved my hand for a fan and the lady started to lift her shirt up and down. I said, okay, she is showing her bra and girdle a little bit. She must not know what she is doing. Then I looked at the man sitting behind us and he was grinning like Chester the cat. I said to myself, keep them ones in your pocket. It's not about to go down like this. So I am steadily raising and waving my hand. I even put up my one finger too. Then the usher looked right at me and rolled her eyes. I said to myself, what? I know she did not. See, that's why people don't go to church now, because of these people with nasty attitudes. She needs to be put on the poor pastor, his Kool-Aid ministry. I bet she won't have no attitude with him. Then the lady with the pretty outfit on started fanning her skirt, and Chester the cat was grinning even harder. I am steadily raising and waving my hand, saying to myself, we are about to have a strip show in the church, and she is standing here with an attitude. So I went to get up to go confront the usher about this fan. I said to myself, I might just roll my eyes at her too. So I got up and walked up to the usher and put my hand on my hip. The usher looked at me and said, baby, I thought I saw you waving your hand. I forgot my glasses this morning and I cannot see a lick. However, I meant I was coming to serve the Lord today. <laughs> Somebody say love endures long and is patient and kind.
Sometimes individuals do not walk in love because they lack understanding. I can remember the snippet from the Lauren Hill CD, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, when the young girl chimed in and said, some people don't know the true meaning of love. Some people have never been loved or some don't know how to love. And the teacher went, oh, that was deep. Some people have been miseducated when it comes to love, which leads to the next scripture. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Have you ever heard the statement jealousy is the root of all evil? And it is. Jealousy is a progressive sin. Jealousy turns into envy and envy turns into hate and hate turns into evil. Satan is the author of jealousy. Look at what happened to all the jealous people in the Bible. Saul was jealous of David. Saul's jealousy of David led to him falling on his own sword. It was not David's appearance that qualified him, even though he was described in the Bible as being handsome with beautiful eyes. It was not David's career that qualified him or his political status or his affiliations. David was a shepherd who worked alone. David's heart qualified him to be anointed as king. Saul was anointed to be king as well. However, his anointing was surrounded by the favor of God. He was not even supposed to be a king. Refer back to 1 Samuel chapter 10 verse 11. Saul was the son of Kish, of the family of the Matriites, and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. He was from Jebeah. If you refer to Judges chapter 20, in 19, it details how a gang of men from Jebeah raped a concubine from the tribe of Levi. In return, the Israelites fought a furious battle with the tribe of Benjamin and killed all but 1,600 of their men. According to Judges chapter 21, the men of Israel made an oath not to give their daughters in marriage to a Benjamite. Saul was not supposed to be king. When those who knew Saul heard it, they exclaimed, What? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? However, God changed Saul's heart. Saul was favored by God until he turned to sin. He disobeyed God and he allowed his jealousy of David to grow into evil. Cain was jealous of Abel because the Lord did not accept him or his gift. Genesis chapter 4 verse 5 reads, but he did not accept Cain in his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Keyword, he looked dejected. See, the enemy got into Cain's head and made him think he was dejected. Yet, according to Genesis chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, the Lord asked Cain, Why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. The Lord told him, Sin is knocking at your door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. 
For had Cain listened to the Lord, his jealousy of his brother would not have turned into envy, hate, and eventually the evil, which ultimately caused him to kill his brother. And I am going to put my kickstand down right here at this particular verse and come back to the others for my next episodes. Refer back to the verse, love is not boastful. When we give, we have to analyze our intentions of giving. Was Cain's gift rejected because the Lord felt that had he accepted Cain in his gift, he would have boasted about it? See, true love is not boastful, for what is given can be taken away. At the end of the day, everything that we do should be done to glorify God. There should not be any jealousy operating within the body of Christ because everyone should have a clear understanding of his or her gift. See, the issue is that we oftentimes try to operate outside of our gift. Cain cultivated the ground. Therefore, he gifted God with some of his crops. The traditional interpretation of this text also states that Abel's gift was accepted because he brought the best portions of the first lambs from his flock. Thus Abel gave in faith and Cain did not. This interpretation is supported by many other scriptures in the Bible. However, God loves us in spite of our inequities. Could God have been telling Cain, look, bro, you could not bring me your best because you are operating outside of your gift. Cultivating the soil might not be your thing. Yet, instead of Cain receiving the love of God through constructive criticism and correction, he got angry. He got upset and his jealousy became the root of his evil. So I stand here today to declare and decree that the root of jealousy within our families, communities and places where we worship be uprooted and destroyed. Jealousy is destroying this world. However, it will not destroy the body of Christ. The Lord told Cain, you will not feel dejected or neglected if you do what's right. Do not hate your brother or sister. Operate in your gift. God is saying, put me first and I will show you. If making potato salad is not your thing for the family reunion, if you are not gifted in potato salad making, do not do it. Do not make it. Do not have people spitting out the potato salad behind your back. If cooking is not your thing, go buy a cake or buy some paper products and be happy with yourself. God is saying, if you roll with me, G-O-D, I will show you what your true gifts are. Read the word of God and allow him to reveal your gifts and talents. Get close with God and let him ordain your relationships. We would never feel rejected or neglected if we did not do what we did for the streets or for the Joneses. And I am not pointing a finger at anybody because I have had the same struggles in my life. But I cried out to the Lord. While some people are praying for promotions, trips, fancy cars, and big houses, my main cry is, Lord, continue to teach me how to love. In the midst of this evil and wicked world, Lord, please continue to teach me how to love. 
Keep my heart fixed on the things that please you. Teach me how to love even when people try to slay me. Do not allow jealousy to become a root in my heart, Lord. Keep my heart pure, for people judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Keep that heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. As I stated before, we are in a spiritual war, and the enemy is trying to destroy them that love God through satanic bonds and relationships. But I declare and decree that that evil will not have me, and you can do the same. It's not if you buck season against the enemy. Guard your heart and walk in love, because if we were to dive deeper, we would see that the root of jealousy is hurt and feelings of rejection hurt people hurt people and when hurt runs deep enough it will turn into evil because instead of using the hurt that was afflicted to benefit people it is used to destroy people and often this initial hurt begins in our childhood i will always tell people that the enemy tries to destroy us when we are children by planting certain seeds that can turn into evil If we do not develop a strong relationship with God, I found my sister dead in her bed at the age of 11 and the trauma that I experienced in that moment shut me down vocally. It was so much that I wanted to say. However, I just could not verbalize it. So at that point in my life, I started to journal. I started to write my feelings down on paper. That's why I shut down verbally when I feel hurt. I did not speak about her death until I was 40 years old. I never used my sister's death to hurt other women. I always sought authentic bonds. However, even what the devil meant for bad, God turns into good. My greatest weakness is my greatest strength. Turn your hurt into good. And before I make my last point, I have to say that what we are dealing with now in these last days is not black versus white. It's not gay versus straight, young versus old, rich versus poor, cute versus ugly, or fat versus skinny. It's evil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's against spiritual wickedness. And now that I understand this even more today, I am able to walk more in love. Because now I know it's not the person who has come to slay me. It's the demon. It's the witch. Because God has something destined for my life. That's why as believers, we have to stay suited and booted. Even when we are under attack, we have to pray without ceasing. Even when we are under attack, we have to give thanks. Even when we are under attack, we have to praise through the plots of the enemy. For our king is still on the throne. So wherever you are, I want you to stop and listen. And I want you to stop and listen to this prayer and repeat after me. Today, Lord, we come unto you with thanksgiving in our hearts. Thank you for the good and thank you for the bad because you are in control of both. We come to you today asking for the hurt to be healed and for the broken to be blessed. 
because in these last days, we cannot fall victim to the enemy's plan. Give the angels that have been assigned to us wings of steel so that they can swoop down and stand in front of this battle. For this battle is not ours, it is yours, Lord. Give us the strength to fight against injustice in these last days. Give us wisdom so that we can start making better decisions. Give us power and dominion over the enemy. And most of all, continue to teach us how to love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.